Right, there's another day left. I think it's all gonna end in the next day. Well, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, it's like it's like saying we're gonna do a fast podcast. You know what I mean? How strong do you think my powers of jinxing are that I can bring about the end of the world? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Hours? To be fair, if <laughs> it, it, even if you did at this point with your with your uh, great powers of suggestion bring about the end of the world, it would just be the straw that broke the camel's back. Like we already know, there's been plenty of movement in that direction. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> like, man, I mean, I know, I know, my short show record isn't great, but come on. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um all right do you uh do you want to start with uh the with the culture with the homework or the challenge this week let's just do the challenge first uh okay so we said last week i i i can't envision how um uh this uh you know uh mariah's team wins any challenges and i guess we found our answer which is uh go second learn one lesson from well, the other team did, and barely squeaked by. Uh, yeah, but I think, really, you didn't have to say all that. The The actual answer was swim. <laughs> right? I, I mean, I, I'm, not try, I'm not even trying no, to be funny. No, because I don't, I don't think you could say, like, oh, they were better swimmers. They just got the idea. They they got the right idea to go help the weaker swimmers. Like, well, that's, that's, that, that was the difference. They won by two seconds. You're right, but... I think that's because they had at least one swimmer who was stronger, right? I mean, that's how you get to that choice. Like Jordan, yeah, and I don't think like we had two. Well, I don't think they like actually figured anything out watching the other team. I think Jordan is just that kind of guy who like <laughs> it when when it goes well, it seems like it comes from a good place, but in my view, that's the same muscle, so to speak, that makes him inappropriately scream at people when he loses you know what i'm saying he just yeah he's gonna do whatever he has to do to to get as close to a win as possible and what he had to do in this case was go shove someone across the water i do think that the first team um you know misplaced their right they they had the, uh two girls too far out in those 50 yard targets right like that was a strategic error that I think the other team didn't notice. Yeah, you know perhaps. I mean? so but Tor- think, was it Tori and Casey, I think it was, that had to swim uh, really far, right? Yeah, they, but by, they picked up on that. by the same token, like, maybe that's because they didn't think they could hold on to the bar as long, and, and maybe if you go the other way, they, you would have lost on points, you know? So, who knows? Who knows? Sure seemed like everyone had, you know, everyone had a decent time holding on to the bar. Like, it wasn't that hard to hold on to the bar. 
Well, um, except Jordan, who, of course, again, had uh, no problem overcoming his obvious, his literal physical handicap in terms of what's required to do this challenge. And, and he did great, but it's just continually unbelievable the way he performs. Yeah, well, he's a damn legend. You know what I mean? He sure is. <laughs> he sure is. And, like, I, you know, uh, I'm fast-forwarding a lot now. Uh, you know, all the way to the end, essentially, when, like, you know, uh, uh, Fessel's talking his smack um, about, you know, I, you know, I hadn't been saying names or I've been trying to play respectful, but now you've got to know I'm coming back and I'm, and I'm coming for you or whatever. It's like, hey, I don't get it. Like, you know, there's, there's four names, <laughs> right? Like, like, some names are going to get said at this point. Like, that's just where we are in the game. That's kind of how it has to happen. And are, were you not coming for the guys on the other team anyway? Like, I don't, right. I don't really understand. Like, what, you know, what, are, what are you threatening here exactly? You know what I mean? Well, to like, me, the second point is more relevant because, honestly, it's like, what are you even talking about? What is, What literally are you going to do differently now that you're allegedly coming for Jordan? Like, shut up. But I will say this. If I'm Fessy and I have that conversation with Jordan where we're all buddy-buddy, I respect your game bullshit, and he says to me, I have no intention of saying your name, and basically I don't see why that would change. And then he stands up there and literally says, he said in so many words... Here's the reason why it would change. (laughs) I am no, no, but what he said specifically is it changed because I am acting out of spite towards my ex fiance. Like my ex fiance, who honestly has nothing to do with you other than happening to be on your team, fucking I'm I am acting out of spite because she annoyed me and you're the one who has to pay the price. Like I would be pissed if I was Fessy. I would. I think he is justifiably angry. I think if Jordan had been like, I usually try to play straight up, but like this is a dirty game and I got to do what's right for my team, I'm saying Fessy. Then maybe I'm not as pissed. But when he's like, basically, my ex-girlfriend doing nothing but trying to help you annoyed me, so I'm throwing you in, like go to hell, bro. It was a weird overreaction, I thought. It was a ridiculous reaction. I mean, Jordan is the king of ridiculous reactions, but it was completely insane. And honestly, it seems phony. Because, like, what do the two things have to do with one another? You told Fessy to his face you weren't going to say his name, but because Tori also doesn't want that and you didn't like the way she talked to you, now, now Fessy pays the price? I mean, he doesn't ultimately, but still. Yeah, but like Nelson that's pays the thing the I price. don't understand is why, <laughs> like, why did, like, why would he even tell Fess, Fessy that he wasn't going to say his name? Like, sending in Fessy and Nelson was obviously the right move, right, Correct. for this team. So, like, I don't, so I just don't, you know what I mean? Like, well, I, and, you could have, you could have just played it straight up and said, "Hey, bro, it's nothing personal. Like, this is the right move." You he know could what have I mean? done that. So he could have done that. He also could have thrown in Nelson which would have given them the same odds of having Fessy take on Nelson just without saying Fessy's name, right? Yeah, but I mean, all right, let's 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 just say it's you. You're on this team. 
None of these conversations have happened. It's just a you know, it's a neutral situation, right? You're gonna pick Fessy to be the one that goes in, right? He's the one you want to go in the most, isn't it? Because uh, he's the one you're hoping you that goes home, right? No, he's not. But but no, I wouldn't. Because while oh, yes, really? he yeah, I'll tell you why. Because the whole point was to protect banana bananas and uh, Chauncey as much as possible, right? And so even though you're going to vote either Nelson or Fessy as the house vote to go in, as opposed to doing the draw, like the other one's going to be in the draw. And I would rather if bananas or Chauncey get screwed in the draw, which was, you know, a one third possibility. Oh, you'd rather them face Nelson. That's right. I guess I, you know, cause the odds me, of like... Fessy, the odds of the dream matchup Fessy versus Nelson are the same, regardless of which one, you choose. Yeah. My counterpoint would be, I mean, I think that's correct. And I understand that you're, tr- you're trying to protect bananas, but like, when you're thinking about it for the game, like if you do your best to protect bananas and bananas winds up in there, gets fessy somehow. That's also pretty good for your team. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like, I think, uh, like, as long as you, like, made the effort to protect Bananas, then you kind of, and if it winds up going that other way, like, it's not so bad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess that's true. might be a little bit better. I guess that's true. But if it's Chauncey, you might not feel the same way. If it's Chauncey, you might not feel the same way. But the the odds of Chauncey seemed kind of low at that point, I think, knowing that Bananas was going to protect Chauncey and vice versa. So, Well, right. uh, But the question was, who was Fessy or Nelson going to protect? Well, but you knew Fessy was going to pick Nelson. Nelson was going to pick Fessy. That well, much but that's knew. why that's why you had to put one of them in. But once right. one of them's right. in, if so you the... put Fessy in of the one, I would, at least I would. No, but again, just my point is just if if you if whichever one you don't put in wins the draw and pulls the safe dagger, who they choose of bananas and Chauncey determines who ends up taking on Fessy, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I like. I think if I'm Amber or Mariah, and I care about those dudes, <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm trying to avoid that scenario know. where one of them is going in against Fessy. But it doesn't matter. I... In the end, it was Fessy, and Nelson pulled. Uh, Nelson is the one who ended up going against him. And poor Nelly T, man, just can't catch a break. No, no. And you were like, if any season was going to be this season. Yeah, um, and Narice had a tough loss, and so now they're fully eliminated. Like they don't even get to hang on. They're the first. No, the the first since the format changed to truly be gone. Um, yeah, that was that was a tough break. <laughs> really tough, tough break. break. <laughs> to lose Nelson and Narice and back to back. And poor Nelson but, uh, is so sincere when he's talking about how hurt he is, and it's just like it breaks my heart a little bit. It does, but, you know, I think some of that was the result of tough decisions he had to make during the game, right? Like, he he had built up some enemies at that point, so. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and almost always by doing things by accident. It's just, uh, <laughs> it's a tough scene all around for Nelson, but We're I can't wait to see him again. <laughs> yeah, no, he'll be back, and, like, you know, like, he's the new Leroy, right? Like. He'll be back 15 times if that's what it takes. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but Leroy is not so. that stupid. Like, Leroy. <laughs> All right, due respect right. to Nelson. Like, Leroy yeah, is. Yeah, a... yeah, yeah. I'm not saying they're the same yeah. person, but it's that same sort of vibe, right? Like, he's going to keep coming back. 
and try to win this thing until he does. You know what I mean? Well, and right. Even yeah. after that, maybe in that sense they're similar, but yeah, but yeah. I, that might be the only way. <laughs> <laughs> like Leroy was calm and reasonable and always aligned with bananas, and yeah. Nelson is a loony nutcase who flies he off the handle. Always with Corey. And, you know, I mean, Leroy was a, well, certainly but, a bit of a player in his early days, you know, before he found Killer Cam. Uh, even, not, even not, you know, even initially when he found Killer Cam. Yeah. Um, and Nelson, bit of a player himself. Like, yeah, there's some similarities there. Sure, sure, sure. Just not as actual participants in the game. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's true. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> um, uh, who was your MVP this week? I, you know, I hate to give it to Fessy, but it's either Fessy or or, uh, or uh, Devin. Um, and I don't know, like Devin is to me uh, sort of at this point only a little bit more than a mascot for uh, for his team, but uh, I think a good one. And Fessy is. I mean, he showed you he that wasn't close. That was just pure strength and endurance elimination, and he just wiped the floor with Nelson, who's pretty good. Like, Nelson is pretty effing good, and Fessy just – I mean, it wasn't it wasn't even competitive. Yeah, man, he's going to be a tough out. Um, my MVP is Devin, though. I, I think, uh, for one, for – Coming up with the team underdog's name. And the, the, the chant, the, uh, the, yes. the I need you to tell me what you are. <laughs> it's excellent. Which, which was just fabulously entertaining, but I, I honestly think it actually worked. You know what I mean? Like, Well, I team really morale do, was up. Yeah. Like, I do think that team needed a bit of a, some coaching and a confidence boost, and I think he saw that, and I think he stepped in and, and – you know, did a little something about it. And, I agree. Uh, I mean, it only gets you so far without Jordan being an absolute beast in a challenge. Right. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, raising team morale when it looks like you have very little shot at doing anything other than getting your ass kicked day in and day out is a tough thing to do, and I think he did it successfully. So, yeah, credit to him and then credit to Jordan for powering them through to an actual – Tiny little victory. Yeah, and I think also played to demonstrates having a little bit of power because I do think he's you know he saw the layout of the game well as yes. as per usual, right? So yeah, and I think we talked um, about this last week, but that thing they keep talking about where you know if you really let a team get rolling, you're just screwed is true. That's real, and you know upsetting their apple cart a bit and forcing Fessy to send his closest male ally home is is a pretty great success and really could like flip the vibe to a point where you know you have as good a chance as them to win any given challenge provided it and doesn't yeah. end up being like tug of war you know and and you know look i don't love their odds that we can have another win next week but if they can do it Oh wait, it's a girl elimination. Everybody. <laughs> I mean, you still you're gonna have a pretty epic girl clash, regardless Absolutely. of who it is, right? So, I mean, there's no weak uh, spots left in this game. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, who knows? They can keep uh, picking people off, and maybe maybe we're talking about a you know having something competitive. Although, I mean, look, we still don't really know anything about the format of this final and how many people and when 
you know, somebody's going to get a chance to come back into the game and all that, that was, stuff. So that was the last thing I wanted to ask because I was think I was thinking I wonder if they're just going to full on bring back, um, like flip it as soon as they get to the ch- the final, flip it back to ride or die pairs to run the final. I kind of think that's what they're going to do. Because I'm down for that. If that's what they're going to do, I'm in. So, um, but, you know, we'll see. But it also seems like this, like, I don't know, I guess maybe I'm reading between the lines too much, but it seemed like TJ was sort of implying only one person was going to come back, right? Well, he did say, like, um, you have an outside shot of getting back in the game at one point. Right, yeah. Yeah, so, like, um, so I don't know how that works exactly. I just have trouble imagining this being a team final, to be honest with you. So I got to believe something is going to flip before the final. It could just be to an individual game. But as you're seeing, like, not everyone who's waiting it out is going to still be there because, you know, some ride-or-die pairs are going to get eliminated. Um, So I don't know. I think bringing back the ride-or-die pairs for the final and running it as ride-or-dies, to me, would be uh, the best idea I've come up with anyway for for what they're do you do. think if they do that then, then there would be some sort of you want to split the money dilemma with your ride or die yeah i hope so if only so that i can see fessy take mariah's money <laughs> and i mean that without any hate or 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 distaste in any way towards mariah if that sounded bad like yeah. I, I love mariah i just it's a thing that I know in my heart would happen, and I want to be proven right, you know? I mean, Fessy carrying Mariah to a win, and then Mariah taking Fessy's money would be some of the greatest television of all time. No? Well, and more satisfying in the end, I think, because I don't really want to see <laughs> Mariah get screwed over. But at the yeah. same time, she there, there's I, I do not believe that would happen. I don't – yeah, it's hard to see. But I'm just saying, if you can get there somehow – that would be fantastic though. It sure <laughs> like all time challenge heel turn right there. If that was the way this season ended, it would be incredible. But I'm feel confident yeah. that's not what's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I as well. Um Fessy gassing out in the final again would also be pretty great television though. Yeah, so. and I don't know, that's more realistic to me, or in some way, you know, screwing himself up in the final. Um just because that, you know, that is what we've seen him do. It's not, we have not seen him do anything else, honestly, in this game for yeah. the most part, other than yeah. get to finals and screw himself over in some way. Um, but I think we both agree, like, he's going to win sooner or later, and probably sooner. You know what I mean? It, it, it's He's certainly of that level. Yeah. Like, the physical gifts are just too undeniable at the end of the day. And honestly his relationships in the game are pretty strong, right? Like people yeah. are a little scared to take shots at him. And then he's a little bit protected. Um, and that's kind of the CT recipe. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but it did take CT a while to get to a point in his career where he won with the regularity that we would have expected. Cause he got in his own yes. way in different ways than Fessy. Mostly. Although Fessy did get sent home for throwing a punch once. Um, right, and, and CT gas out the final. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So yeah, 
you know, um, but yeah, I think they've led fairly similar paths. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a pretty good so comparison. Um, and and you know, the stuff that allowed CT to be, he was always as he was always a guy we would have named in like the the scariest or you know most likely to win any given uh, event challengers in history. But when he became the best ever was when he won a bunch of titles and that was much later in life. And the main thing that he got much better at was puzzles. So yeah, yeah, that was huge. Him getting better at puzzles. Yeah. So, you know, Fessy really should get to work on puzzles, I guess. Would be <laughs> no, Fessy, if you're listening to this, don't get to work on puzzles. please. <laughs> well, right. I, I guess I don't want that either, but I, I, I said that feeling safe that he wouldn't hear me. Okay, yeah, no, you're right. That's that's fair enough. Um, all right, I thought this was kind of a, you know, this is a mediocre episode as as the season's gone. But yeah, I um, you know I was gonna say uh, <laughs> I did have one. There was one hilarious thing, which was, uh, and, and I I, I kind of think it's the burn of the week. Um, did you notice that when Nelson called Corey? <laughs> Did you notice what the Chiron said? No. It just said Nelson's friend. Oh. <laughs> it was like Corey. I did, I did actually notice that. You're right. Nelson's friend. It didn't say like 10-time challenger or whatever the hell he is. Um, it was just like Corey, Nelson's friend. Like as if someone was just calling their boyfriend back home that you've never met. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I thought arguably that was the burn of the week. Uh, the other one I wrote down <laughs> was a Nelly on Nelly burn, which, you know, are very often the best burns. Uh, but <laughs> when he grabbed the bar from which they were to hang from a helicopter the wrong direction in the daily challenge he goes typical nelly t i grabbed the bar the wrong way yeah yeah he does he may be dumb but he's not unaware oh yeah he no he dude honestly nelson is one of the most self-aware and also sincere reality television characters I think I have ever seen. And it's what makes him so wonderful to watch. He is, even when he is getting way out of pocket and saying stuff he shouldn't or whatever, like you just know that when he sobers up, there's going to be like an apology tour where he pours his heart out to people. Like he just, he does, he, he may never stop doing excruciatingly stupid things but he knows that about himself and uh yeah. you know he's living with it and apologizing for it when he has to and and god bless yeah and you can see the other contestants respond to him in that way oh yeah. even even people like amber that he's kind of done wrong in the game are like i still love nelly you know well it's I mean? like my dog <laughs> it's honestly like my dog she's she's a giant puppy there we we have to like you know use a, a pinch collar or an, an electric collar to like zap her to make her behave at times because she's such a nutcase but you can't stay mad at her no she's just, she's just being a puppy yeah she comes and nuzzles <laughs> at you afterwards she's like my bad and you're like ah you little and then you know yeah. 
And yeah, it's nice. Yeah, that's, that's Nelson. That's how it goes. All right. <laughs> um, all right. So let's uh, let's talk about the homework. I would like to uh, start with the Banshees of Inisherin. Um, okay. You uh, wanted to watch this, so what, what was your take? Oh, I thought you wanted to start with the Banshees of Inisherin. I wanted to start, but I wanted I wanted to get your take before I gave you mine. Um. Okay, so uh, just since you made a point of saying that I wanted to watch this, um, I thought you did too. I mean, it was a movie made by a director we historically liked with actors we historically like. That's ninety-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes and eighty-seven percent on Metacritic. Like, yeah, exactly the recall, sort of movie we watch. If watched. you recall, I. I Yes, it is definitely the sort of movie we watched, but I had a little hesitation just given sort of what I knew about the story. That was right. That's that's what it, what came up when we talked about it. Okay, but, so, right, so I go ahead. Go I ahead. Uh, I didn't remember your hesitation, but it it's one of the more bizarre and uh, sort of pensive films I've ever watched, and I quite enjoyed it. I chuckled a lot i got a real kick out of both really all three of the lead performance really all every performance in this movie um the the weird old lady uh barry kewen i believe is how it may be pronounced the the sort of stupid kid the sister everybody i thought in this was fantastic it was we talk about things being transportive uh, with some frequency on this podcast. And this was that for me in terms of transporting me to a beautiful Island off the coast of mainland Ireland. Um, and all that being said, I couldn't fault anyone who found it boring and not worthwhile because it is slow. And the story is not a thing that's, worthy of a ton of examination from a plot perspective it's just a very pensive movie about i think friendship and a little bit probably if i knew more about the irish uh, conflicts so it was weird it was a weird one or nothing it was a story about nothing really that's certainly one way to look at it <laughs> um I, I would agree with you that this movie is transportive, for sure. Uh, it transports you to a place that seems pretty awful. Yeah, like, it does. <laughs> everyone hates and is a really bad time. And Beautiful. I don't know, though. we've been doing what? We, it's, yeah, it's pretty. Um, and really well shot, doing, I thought. Yeah, yeah, I would say, like, I, it looked good, I guess. Um what are we done? 300 podcasts? Far more, actually. Um, but, uh, go ahead. More than that? 400? Oh, yeah. Well, 350, maybe. <laughs> 350. And I will grant you that my recall is, is poor. I forget, yeah, especially these days, I, I forget things. But I am uh, struggling to remember a movie I disliked as much as this one. <laughs> I really, really fucking hated this movie. Huh. Sorry, excuse me. I should say, one thing I did like about it, thank you for giving me this word, fecking. Fecking was delightful. <laughs> Honestly, the way they spoke in this general. This movie, 
Um, I thought the way they spoke. In, you, you, so you did not laugh throughout this film. Not once. Yeah. Not once. I, See, I I am so angry at this movie, and I like you. Like you, everything you said was correct. Like I really enjoyed in Bruges. These guys made a trilogy. But I'll tell you what, like if they make a movie again, like the trust is broken with me, with these people. I like, I cannot believe this movie, which is self-aware, completely self-aware yeah. about how boring and petty the central dispute of this movie is. And yeah. maybe, maybe that's what it's trying to do, like take you into this tedium and pettiness of these people who are living lives that are literally about nothing and just sitting there and suffering and essentially waiting to die and having this dispute that is, as they say, about nothing to the point where you want to cut your own fingers off to escape it. Like, so that maybe when there's like a little burgle, like a, like a, a little bit of story that gurgles up at the very end of this kind of like, climax of this conflict that it has a little more impact because for two hours nothing fucking happened you know you watch these guys walk around with towels and have the just dullest <laughs> dumbest conversations you could imagine i just it is such a bad time and it's such a small movie and i i, I really um i'm incensed at the like this, the 97 rating. Like I, I really want to go back and see who wrote great reviews of this movie, because I do think it's like, it's like everything wrong with like these sort of Oscar bait movies, right? Like a lot of the stuff that studios put out this year, and we're going to talk about a couple more of these movies here in a second, I think, right. (laughs) In an attempt to get Oscars, like has kind of just fallen flat. This hasn't really been received by people, and I just don't. I like. I'm wondering if maybe prestige cinema has just sort of lost its finger on the pulse about why we're going to movies. But it ain't for this, man. Like I had, I paid money to see this in a theater. I would not have made it halfway through my popcorn before I had left. Like I, it, you know, it is just so tedious and so dull and so petty. That I like, I I don't understand what it, like what's redeeming about it, and I'll tell you what, I didn't enjoy any of the performances, not a one, not a one. I could I think like, oh, you know, the, somebody's doing really great work here. I mean, I guess I guess the old lady, the weird old lady in the town that everyone's scared of, I guess is like, <laughs> see, something. I, I found her hilarious, and I found much of the conflict funny, and I do think. While you didn't like it, I do think you're right about, you know, the one of, if not the main thing this movie is thinking about. It's, I mean, I think it's the nature of conflict in general. And I think specifically, although this movie takes place sort of out of time, um, I think it's specifically relevant to the nature of much of the public conflict we see in the world today, which is like very quickly the conflict becomes about the conflict and not about the root cause because more often than not you know the root causes are stupid in one way or another or people just don't even really 
understand them or somehow lose track of what they ever were. Like that's that to me is a that is what it's doing, and that that is kind of an interesting philosophical rumination, if you will, to me. But I, I but but while I enjoyed myself and I did not have a bad time, I had I had quite a good time actually. Um, I can't argue with you that in any significant way this movie essentially comes to nothing. Um, and I cannot argue yeah. with you that even the thing it comes to, it tells you what it's, what it's gonna, like. It doesn't just telegraph it; like quite literally tells you how it's going to end. You know what I mean? Well, right. Except I think really like that's again the point is about the conflict, not about the you know without spoiling the resolution. The significant yeah. event that happens near the end of the film is not the point. It's more, if anything, it would more be the conversation that happens after that event, right? Like, this movie is deliberately... It's it's a real philosophy majors film. Like, it's deliberately not really concluding anything or going anywhere or... It's kind of just thinking about some stuff in a very laid-back fashion. But I found the dialogue and you know interactions to be quirkily charming whereas you found Ooh. them to be insufferable i think is the main I, I did find beyond the word fecky which which is undisputably great <laughs> well listen like irish people swearing is uh undefeated <laughs> for sure but like yeah no it sure as hell didn't make me want to go to Ireland, which I ordinarily enjoy. Like, really? I, See, I, yeah. even though the people were largely miserable and I would never want to live in that place, it did kind of make me want to go to it. Because I, I thought it was just shot so beautifully and the the landscape looks so incredible. I want to go there on like a day trip and take a walk and, you know, then leave. Yeah. Yep, hard pass. <laughs> so. I love that you, you hated this film so much. Martin McDonough has now poisoned you against Ireland. Yeah, and against, and against Martin McDonough. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at Martin McDonough with like a wary eye the next time Martin McDonough drops a film. I don't remember. So, did you? Did you like Three Billboards? Uh, I did like Three Billboards. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think I had some problems with it as many did. But well, I think uh, I think it had overall. Me- yes, I think it had a lot of similarities with this in terms of like. <laughs> Not having overtly a good time, you know, and of just being kind of about unfortunate, miserable people in an unfortunate, miserable place. Um, like, I guess I guess what I'm saying is some of the signs were there. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would say even as someone who had quite a good time and and enjoyed myself and even kind of want to watch it again. um I cannot blame you for the way you're responding to it. And more to the point, I am pretty shocked that it is sort of generally polling as well as it seems to be. And like, even though I liked it, I do yeah. feel like you're, you're not wrong that that's a sign of like critics crawling up their own assholes a little bit. Because, yes. What are we doing here? Uh, right. Like, like sort of watch it twice because honestly I did tap out the first time. Yeah. And well, I'm like, listen, you know what, I, I, I can finish it. <laughs> the, the analogy I would make is I, I I personally might enjoy reading the lesser work of Albert Camus and Jean-Paul Sartre, but I wouldn't expect them to get, like, 
five stars in the New York Times book review, you know? Yeah, don't make it also into a movie, you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> like that I, I'm I'm interested in those kinds of thought experiments, but I'm not sure. sure. Thought I'm experiment... being in nothingness, but I don't want to see it filmed. Right. Right. Yeah. Does, so yeah. It's it's uh it's weird how how universal the acclaim seems to be. Uh, despite the fact yeah, no, I... although maybe it's not weird because the movies that one or both of us respond to this way that end up with universal acclaim are almost always shot impeccably. So maybe that's all people are reviewing now is nothing it's more like than <laughs> cinematography, basically. Because yeah. I, I think the cinematography of this film is pretty faultless. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, you know what? You're right. I'm not going to – I have nothing bad to say about the cinematography. It doesn't have to do a whole lot because the vistas are kind of just there, but yeah, can't fault the way they're shot. They look great. Yeah. It all looks pretty incredible. I was inspired to watch the uh, the duo appearance of Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson on the Seth Meyers show, and they uh, they had some fascinating things to say about the places where they shot it. Um, anyway, also they said Colin Farrell was constantly being attacked by uh, the animals that he was acting with. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a good story because he does he does do a good job of convincing you that he loves those animals, especially that damn donkey. Yeah. I love that donkey too. You should. So. I I literally, I predicted inadvertently the end of the film just by saying what I would do if I was in Colin Far- Farrell's situation. <laughs> like like that happened, and out out loud I was like, I know what I would do if if that happened to me. I would go right over to his house. Like I I literally said the end of the movie. <laughs> that's that's great. That's great. What? Well, yeah. Well. That was something, um, but now, I had to put that away and never think about it again. After hearing your response to uh, Banshees of Inishirin, can I predict your response to Amsterdam? Yeah, go for it, go for it. I'm going to say that you felt like Amsterdam was in many ways the exact opposite of uh, Banshees of Inishirin in that instead of nothing happening, everything happened, but... In the end, probably not much better of a movie. <laughs> yeah, I had I had a better time watching Amsterdam. Uh, it was certainly easier for me to finish watching Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to say that this is a good movie. <laughs> There's like this movie has a, as a, a, an extremely strong "Don't you dare think about this film" vibe. You know, like yeah, just just let just let the you know, loud performances by some of your favorite performers wash over you and at the end say you had fun and move on. <laughs> because if you try yeah. to process the plot or themes, it's a filthy quagmire. Like, like great actors coasting is, is definitely the way that I would. Like, yeah, like, but like who I doesn't... never thought I'd see Christian Bale coast in a movie. You know what I mean? But oh, I don't not. know if he was coasting. <laughs> Like he was all in the perform, like he was chewing up every piece of scenery available and yeah. flopping around like a madman. Like I, and I, I think that was a committed performance. It just, and this everything about this movie is so convoluted that trying to make any sense of it is a not just futile but a, a intensely frustrating exercise. Yeah, I also think it is 
uh, it, it, it does, this movie does not realize it's not funny. Like, it definitely thinks it's kind of funny. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, we got drug references and people stumbling around and, and being quirky and like, look at us, we're funny. And it's not like none of those things really land. You know what I mean? So, no, um, it's like I'm smiling because that's Christian Bale being ridiculous. I'm not laughing because yeah. something funny happened. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, Christian Bale's too, too much morphine. Okay, I got it. Also, um, did you notice that, like, the accents varied wildly uh, within character over the course wildly. of the movie? Wildly! <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I did. It really was <laughs> a messy affair for such an acclaimed, and, and, and not just acclaimed, but known to be, like, a control freak director, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of sloppy, and I, I it made me think about. I wonder what like being on on the set of that thing was like, right? You know. Um, well, that you know. and it with, when that happens, I also always wonder like, is there a director's cut somewhere that makes more sense? You know. Right. I mean, you're talking about when you're combining David and Russell and Bale, you're talking about authors of two of the all-time leak onset freakouts, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Maybe that's not a combination uh, made in heaven, you know? Right. <laughs> so, like, so what happened here? I but even know. John, da- um, even John David Washington was just doing so much. Um, it was just, it was, it was kind of overwhelming. Uh, yep. Yep. But Chris Rock, I thought, was weirdly restrained. <laughs> isn't that funny? Like three, yeah. three of the great actors of our time, uh, in in Bale, Margot Robbie, and John David Washington, arguably, uh, and there's Chris Rock giving like the most subtle and uh, restrained performance in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, De Niro, no problem hamming it up, but he was Chris Rock, just kind of laying back. Well, back, but did you did you watch the credits long enough to see them put the De Niro footage alongside the guy they based him on? No. Okay. I don't think I did, actually. <laughs> well, it, it's like 10 seconds probably into the credits. They, they show, like, black and white footage of a, a senator in the 30s or 40s talking into a TV in that same... Oh, the, you know what? I did see that. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I did see that. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, oh, okay. I see what, I see what De Niro was doing here. <laughs> He was doing that. Guy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, <laughs> I I just don't like Amsterdam is not going to be a like it's that is you want some talk about something that came and went, which is amazing for all that star power. It is, I mean? and and it's it's definitely not going to be on next year's best of list. And I'm I am not regretful that we waited till after this year's to watch it. <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But you know, I also feel kind of similarly about Glass Onion. Like, I don't, I don't have any beef with Glass Onion. I think it was uh, functional. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 um, serviceable maybe is a better word. Glass um, Onion. Here's the thing. I I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a perfectly good whodunit, right? Um. My suspicion is, and what it sort of felt like in the end to me, was that Ryan Johnson spent, you know, five or ten years perfecting the story for Knives Out and making it 
a little more clever and a little funnier and a little quirkier and just a little better than a perfectly good whodunit. And in their haste to, you know, catch on to the caboose of the original Knives Out hype, this may have just sort of been rushed a little bit. Because it felt like a... Like, absent the knowledge I obviously had that this was obviously Ryan Johnson's work, I wouldn't have been surprised if someone had told me, like, they got a new writer-director for this one. It just wasn't as good. Yeah. Like, I fundamentally. Mean, I that was, was more cynical, which is basically like, you know, Knives Out was a smash. Netflix needed a franchise and, and um, coughed off a giant check for a couple of couple of movies. Um, and Ryan Johnson was like, all right, you need a Knives Out movie. Here's a Knives Out movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And it, it plays as a Knives Out movie. But if there were like yeah. 10 Knives Out movies, th- you would expect this to be like the, you know, eighth or worst. worst. Yeah. Um, it feels like it's a little bit lacking inspiration. Like, I don't know that anyone was like, I love this formula. Let's add some light Elon Musk satire um, <laughs> and call it a day. You know what I mean? I <laughs> so. mean, listen. I don't the funniest part is like I'm not even sure it was Elon Musk satire when it was written. Right? It's it, right. it's like the way in which it is hilariously Elon Musk satire is all based on stuff Musk has done probably since they like finished <laughs> yes, editing. You know That's a fair point. <laughs> That's a fair point. Like we didn't know what a giant jackass he was until a few months ago. This is new. Um, <laughs> we knew he wasn't the best. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like, I I knew he was a giant jackass more than a few months ago. But, that's fair. But I don't know if the world had quite quite cut on. So well, that. But also, like, even though you knew he was a giant jackass, I'm not sure you thought he was actually like a stupid person. No, but I. But uh, one thing, and I didn't come up with this, so I'm not taking credit for it. But one thing I have often said is that I do think he's a stupid person's idea of a smart person. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm not even saying we all thought he was a genius, but like, I think he has proven to be quite dumb and I did not see that coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I figured he was a, a, you know, person of approximately average intelligence who had fooled a lot of douchebags into thinking he was a genius, but that's different than what he seems to be now, which is just literally <laughs> dumb. That, 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 yeah. Anyway, we don't need to talk about that jackass anymore. Yeah. No, that's, but, I was going to say that's a long detour, but I did think Edward Norton's performance of a like jackass tech bro in general was quite good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a, that's a role Edward Norton uh, can nail in his sleep. Yeah, you know, and, and, like, yeah. there was some fun to be had here. Kate Hudson was pretty delightful. Um, I thought Dave Bautista was pretty great. Actually. I was just going to say, Dave Bautista was was on point, for sure. Um, I don't know how much of a stretch it was, but definitely on point. And overall, like, this was good. This was the best movie we watched this week, I think, pretty clearly. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, low bar. For me, at least, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm not even saying it was a super high bar, but but I do think this was far and away the best of those three. Um, and I'm guessing you liked it better than the one you finally watched uh, as well. Yeah! Oh, I forgot we were going to talk about Pinocchio. 
Um, Guillermo del Toro's like Pinocchio. Pinocchio. I think I might have liked Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio the most of all these movies, actually. Um, which is not to say that I loved it either. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, but I do think that, I mean, it's it's such an achievement uh, visually. It's hard to deny. You know what I mean? And, and I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming that wasn't all stop stop motion animation right the, like the, there had to be some cgi uh, the fairy creatures right were that had to be special effects or something but like yeah. the way that those blend together you know i mean look it's not it's not a shock to say that like a guillermo del toro movie is a visual delight you know mm-hmm. what I mean? because that's that's what he does um but i really i actually thought it was quite pleasant i quite enjoyed the story and i loved the way that it looked and you know, even though obviously it had some beats that I knew it was certainly a a darker, more adult version of the tale. You know what I mean? Than yeah. uh, that I'm used to. I didn't mind seeing Geppetto as like a uh, you know a, 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 a basically a alcoholic. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Like, and it's weird to see a drunk, angry puppet. <laughs> well, um, in general, I, I thought like. Pinocchio was way more of an asshole in general in this and like infuriatingly annoying than he traditionally is. Although, I, you know what? I couldn't remember enough about like, cause it's been so long since I'd seen the Disney movie. Right. I couldn't remember if Pinocchio was that much of an asshole. No, I mean like he does some stuff. He's, he's pretty annoying, but, but like this Pinocchio is really a lot. Um, yeah. And he's got, he's got that really strong little boy energy. You know what I mean? Do I ever? I got, I got one taking a nap upstairs yeah. right now. Um, yeah, it's not too different from trying to put you, put that guy down down to bed sometimes, right? <laughs> sure isn't. Sure isn't. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I for me, Glass Onion was better. It's because it, I, I think I just prefer to have more fun. And Pinocchio, strangely, was not a lot of fun. It was spectacular visually. It was dark and and. Uh, uh, certainly a unique and and I thought good uh, take on the Pinocchio tale, but I don't know. I found that like after I got over the visual part of it, it it dragged pretty hard for me. It's too long. like most of his movies. Are like, yeah, there's no no doubt about that. Um, and I just I think I I always have a lower tolerance for things that don't have. Uh, you know, real people in them. Um, oh yeah, that's also true. <laughs> so, so when it that's starts to drag true. in the back half, <laughs> I'm just kind of like, all right, I get it. Like the, this visually is spectacular, but like, what am I doing here? Um, and yeah, so it's too long. And I would give Knives mm-hmm. Out, Glass Onion, whatever mm-hmm. we want to call it, a slight. Maybe edge. a little more Mussolini in the in that story too than you were really. Uh, I you did, for, Yeah, you know I just I mean? didn't need all the Mussolini, <laughs> and I definitely didn't need Mussolini to show up. You know. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like I, 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 the thing is, man, um, you just don't you don't have to put Nazis in your shit. No, you just don't have to. Like I. This is yet, not. This is not two the, out of the three movies we watched this week. I know, <laughs> and this is not the wrong movies. way to put Nazis in your shit. Okay, I'm not saying you can't put Nazis in your shit, 
And if you do, like, none of these movies celebrated Nazism or anything. Um, but just, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot <laughs> I just I want to see I want less Nazis in my life. Good, for, for, for the, the, the good ones or the bad the ones. The trend does seem to be leaning towards more Nazis right now, doesn't it? Yeah, like we're definitely in a in a place in the world where we're leaning into Nazi content, good or bad, and I don't like it. Yeah, no, I'm, so. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Those, we don't. We need to put them in everything. And it was um, so central. While there was like an underlying Nazi conspiracy in Amsterdam, um, it was basically what Pinocchio was about somehow. And just part of me is just like, did we really have to make the silly cartoon about the Nazis? I don't, I don't think we did. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm pretty damn sure Mussolini was not in the Disney version of this. <laughs> yeah, no. Mussolini does not show up. And also I would just say like in the Disney version – and obviously, uh, all the characters are pretty likable, the, the good guys anyway. And in this, none of them are. Like, Pinocchio is not likable. The cricket is a self-important jackass. Um, and Geppetto's an angry drunk. So, like, it's not great from a, a no. embracing the protagonist standpoint. Geppetto learned some some good lessons turned by you know by the end. I, I mean, think. you 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 sympathize and even empathize with Geppetto. I'm just saying he's not like the most likable guy in the in the whole. No, world. he's not. He's not either. And the cricket, right? Like the cricket comes around. I came I came sure. around to McGregor's achievement. Sure, as a but he but like <laughs> he's definitely like it starts out being like, gee whiz, cricket, get off your high horse. Yes. <laughs> Why you gotta be so fancy, cricket? <laughs> That being said, I think the fact that like there are so many oddities in the story itself is a testament to a very creative mind here uh, at work, and and that comes across very well. Yeah, and it was an interesting way, like that cricket character, the way he's realized so classically Del Toro. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well, so um, much about this the the look of Pinocchio is incredibly Guillermo Del Toro. Like, and it somehow it still caught me off guard, even knowing what this was. Like the the sort of raw, like I don't even know how to describe it. The entire look and like vibe of Pinocchio was just so like off putting, but also quintessentially Del Toro. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That that's a, that's a great way to put it. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, and I would say that like. That movie has stuck to me a little bit longer already than even the ones we watched this week. So. It is certainly the, um, the most unique and bizarre of of well, unique and like visually uh, unique, visually sort of individualistic of the movies we watched. I I, I think I enjoyed yeah. Glass Onion more, but but Pinocchio was definitely a better movie than the other two. I think. Um, <laughs> yes. So I'm with you. I'm with you on that for sure. Um, all right, so we got a couple of movies next week. Um, we should do. I uh, I wrote them down this time. I was very excited for me for doing that. And it um, sounds like you may now White... have lost the paper where you wrote them down. Is that what's happening? I found them. I okay, found great. them. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's not that I lost it. It's that I had it on the. You, you know, never mind. You, you, you misplaced it. Um, Let's say you misplaced it. Yes. Fair enough, but I have it now. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about White Noise, uh, which I think is another one of those movies that next Netflix commissioned to be Oscar bait in December. 
Um, Certainly sounds like it on paper. A Dom DeLillo book with uh, Adam Driver, Greta Gerwig, and Noah Baumbach directing. Uh, sounds like Oscar bait to me. Yes. Uh, has not been received as such, uh, as I mentioned earlier. But um, but we'll see. I thought the trailer looked decent, so who knows. Uh, we're also going to watch a documentary called Woo! Uh, becoming Ric Flair. Woo! Um, <laughs> uh, that is on Peacock. Um, and uh, we're going to check out the show The Recruit on Netflix, which um, a lot of people have been watching, and that is with uh, Noah Centineo. Yeah, Noah Centineo um, gets serious. Let's see what happens. Yes, try to, trying to break out of the rom-com vibe. Yeah. Uh, we'll see yeah. how that goes. Um, and, uh, and, of course, another episode of The Challenge as we uh, – we head into the home stretch. How many episodes do you think we are from the final? So we have a six-person team and a seven-person team. And, man, I, I want to say the, the, it'll be down to fives, but it might just be six. Like, we might – I don't know. I don't know. I think it might get down to fours. Like, I think they want to, right, go into the final with eight. I'm thinking. Okay, but if that happens, then it'll be from a double elimination or like a purge challenge or something like that because I don't think yeah. we're going another like seven weeks. I- I'm thinking. I think you're right. Two to three more episodes before we get to the finale, probably. That that feels right to me as well. So, uh, but usually that's when this game really steps up, and clearly, like we're already in hard choice territory. So, uh, extremely hard choice territory, and I think perhaps even harder. If if the sort of if the underdogs uh, manage to pull off another victory next week, yeah, and there's some. I mean, you know, there's some people. We got some rookies who are like still in this game. And oh yeah, you have legit chances. So uh, well, and I think you, know, you and I, I at the very talent. least, have have a lot of respect for what those rookies are capable of. So um, yeah, there's no telling what's what could happen down the stretch here, and. Yeah. Certainly things with Tori and Jordan are uh, boiling and, and not likely to cool off anytime soon. No, no. And honestly, I'm not looking forward to seeing them fight that much more. <laughs> no, me neither. I mean, it, it's a little too real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is too real, 100%. Um, all right, my friend. Um, have a great week, and I will, I will talk to you soon. I'll talk to you in 2023. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Weird. Yeah, have a happy new year and all that. You too. Bye. Happy new year. Are you listening? Thanks for sticking with us. Oh, yeah, no, to the people too. Bye. Yeah. (laughs) This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor have yourself a tremendous evening.